I hope this isn't uh, uh, just a saying that you hear preachers say. I, I count it a privilege to be able to share with you and to look at God's word together, try and understand, and then uh, take parts from it and say, what can we learn from this and what can I learn from it uh, for all of us? And uh, I, I have a... a, a picture, if you'll remember last week, um, I shared with you about uh, uh, what it is that we do and what happened uh, in preparation for the day of Pentecost, in preparation for something happening. If you'll remember, they were unified. They were in one accord, and they were unified in prayer. They were unified in purpose. They were unified in possessions, and they were unified in their plan as to how they were going to do things. It's hard. It's hard to be unified. It really is. Think about it. It's hard for me to say I'm willing to put down my own interests and the things that I want to do so that somebody, so that somebody else's idea maybe or somebody else's actions are more important than what I am. We all know people that are, they've always got to raise their hand, they've always got to put their input in, they've always got to say something, and then they get mad if you don't go with their idea. But see, that's where this is different. This is about being unified for a purpose that's greater than what you are, and that it's what God wants, and help me to put my own feelings in the back burner so that God is glorified in everything that is done. Um, uh, I, I have a, a picture, and, and this is, well, I think it's on Josiah. If you remember last week we had, well, it's not showing up. I'm going to need a battery, I guess. Okay, I'll put this down and I'll try to stay behind the mic. How's that? Thanks, Josiah. I have um, a, a picture up here that I wanted to show you. And this is a picture and this gives us an information and understanding. Please understand this is not about a teaching thing. This is about trying to understand. If you remember last week I said there's 30 years that it took for this gospel, this book of Acts, to be written. And if you'll look up here, you'll see, and uh, I'm sorry if it's kind of grainy, but um, you'll see that the beginning when they started, when Jesus died, uh, this was AD 30, and then uh, AD 61 was when it was written. So 30 years. And if we look through the timeline of what it is, just so we get it. And let me just ask this before I jump into this. How many of you have ever met somebody that cannot, that cannot see the big picture? They can't see the big picture. They see their idea of what the big picture is, but they don't get the big picture. Um, I've got some pictures up here I want to show you. We're going to jump back to this one. But um, I've got a picture here 
I want you to take a look at this. And again, this is grainy, but it's looking at this seaside to try and get an idea of what it is and to get an understanding of how this um, image uh, impacts my emotions or what I'm feeling about when I see it. Can you go to the next one? This is what the whole picture is. So it's being able to see not just my portion of what I want to see, but it's everything that's around it. We wouldn't be able to see the people down there that are on the beach. We wouldn't be able to see the kite or something flying up there. So we wouldn't be able to see these things if we're not able to see the big picture. I have a couple more here that I wanted to show you. This is a picture of a man walking up a stairs. I want you to think about a construction worker. A construction worker who is going to build and somebody says to him, go build these stairs. He's focused on building the stairs, making sure the stairs get right, making sure that when people walk on it, it feels secure, it feels ready to go. Here's the big picture. This is the whole mall. This is everything that's going on. And you see, the people that are looking at their own area of what they have to do aren't concerned necessarily about the big picture. And they get sidetracked about their own little thing. I have one more. This is a real bad blurry picture. But it looks, if you look at this, you can see that it's a tree that's growing up. And then there's a, a growth right here. Uh, it's dead. Not a growth, but it's dead. And so here's the big picture. So here's where that was. But if, you're missing, if, you, if you look at that and you miss this other part, these other things that are here, you're missing what's going on. It's important for us to understand that when we look at, now let's go back to the first image again, Josiah. If we look at this, if all we're doing is looking at one section and saying this is what it's all about, you got to look at the big picture. You got to look at what's going to happen for 30 years. You got to look at things that are happening not just right now in your life, but what is God going to do? Many of you can probably look back on your life and you can say, you know, I never would have thought God would have brought me to this place, but because of these experiences that he allowed me to walk through, I have a deeper understanding of what I'm supposed to do now in my life. How many of you are thankful for those times, those rough times that it may have felt at the time, but now you look back and you go, I'm thankful that God was there God was touching me in a special way. So we see here, now we're just, we're not going to go through the whole thing. We're looking at just a section of this, but to try and understand, there's a bigger picture that we want to get out of this. So we are going to be looking in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Um, how many of you ever heard of Abraham Lincoln? 
Come on now. Abraham Lincoln, okay. Abraham Lincoln, how many of you heard about the Emancipation Proclamation? Thanks, Carol. I'm glad that you remembered it. Emancipation Proclamation. How many of you have ever heard those words? Emancipation Proclamation. What's, what that was, was that was the document that he signed to free the slaves. As he prepared to sign the Emancipation Proclamation, he took his pen, moved it to the signature line, and paused. I need you to listen to me. He paused. He paused for a moment and then set his pen down. When asked why he set his pen down, he replied this, if my, if my name goes into history, it will be for this act. If my hand trembles when I sign it, then there will be those that will say he hesitated about making the decision. At that point, he picked up the pen with assurance and confidence and signed the Emancipation Proclamation. It wasn't a question of, did he want to do it? It wasn't a question of, should I do it? It was a question of, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to do it. When we think about the book of Acts, we're thinking about people that are at a place to where they're saying, this is what I have to do. Nothing's going to separate me from this concept of sharing the love of Jesus. The word commitment in the dictionary is this, the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause or an activity. John Wesley, biblical scholar and historian and, and preacher, said these words, Give me 100 men who hate nothing but sin and love God with all their hearts, and I will change the world. God wants us to be people who are willing to give up everything for the cause of Christ to change our world. Luciano Pavarotti. Maybe you know who this is, maybe you don't. Man, I love, love to hear Luciano Pavarotti. Um, he was a tenor, a singer, that uh, just a beautiful voice and uh, really brought, um, brought singing to a great, uh, another level of where people wanted to listen to great music. And apparently when he was a boy, his father, who was a baker, introduced him to song. And he relates, he urged me to work very hard on my voice. Arrigo Pola, a professional tenor in my hometown of Modena, Italy, took me as a pupil. I also enrolled in a teacher's college. On graduating, I asked my father, shall I be a teacher? 
or shall I be a singer? Luciano, his father replied, if you try to sit on two chairs, you will fall between them. For life, you must choose one chair. I chose one. It took seven years of study and frustration. Made my first professional appearance. It took another seven years before I reached the Metropolitan Opera. And now I think, whether it's laying bricks, writing book, whatever you choose, we should give it to ourselves, commitment. Being determined to follow through. That's the key. Choose your chair. Choose how you are going to live. I dare say to you that in these first chapters of the book of Acts and continuing on, these men were committed to making a difference in their world. Our Bible study today is Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. And here's what this says. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Change. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the, apostle, through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord, remember we talked about this before, in the temple and in breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Heavenly Father, be with us. Help us to understand your word. Help us to apply it to our own hearts and our own lives and our own Christian walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want us to understand something here. I want us to understand that this scripture that we have just read there are several things that we should be trying to understand background so that we can understand what the big picture really was. The big picture was this wasn't just about a small change. This was about a lifestyle change. This was about people who were praying in the background. This was about people who were talking to their neighbors. This is about people who were not only sharing their faith, 
but also building confidence in their own belief and their own understanding, and they were becoming more confident on how they were going to share that faith. So we see here that this is a response to what Peter has already shared and what he started out with. It says they went from 120 to 3,120 in one day. That's quite a difference. When we think about this, we, we, we realize that it's not about just Peter and sharing the gospel. Remember, they're looking back over 30 years. They're looking back to when this happened, and they're saying 3,000 were added to the church, and it wasn't just because of Peter's sermon. There was a lot of other things that were going on. So you can't say, well, it's all up to the big guy. It's all up to the preacher. It's all up to the people who are doing the big, um, the big churches or the people. It's about each one of us doing our thing to where we make a difference in our town, in our communities. So think about how many lives were touched because of what these people were doing in their own areas. Remember... They are now in Jerusalem, and this is Pentecost. Now, the Bible doesn't give us understanding from day to day all the things that happened. But we can understand that there was a philosophy of mental change that was happening in the people's heart. Isn't it exciting when you get up and you know there's something that you've got to do that day that's going to be just great. And you already know it's going to be great. And you wake up, there's an excitement, a step that you've gotten. It's like, man, this is going to be a great day. As a matter of fact, I think about when we would go on um, vacations or trips. Can you sleep the night before? Here's, what, here's, here's my clock. And when I'm anxious about something, what am I doing? Have you ever looked at a clock and it seems like it's been hours and it's been 10 minutes or uh, half an hour and all of a sudden you're thinking, man, will it just get here? I'm so excited about this. This is what I believe these people were going through. This 120, this 3,000 now. And it keeps growing. They're looking at their clocks thinking, this is going to be a great day. Man, this is an opportunity that I'm going to have to share with, with others about Jesus Christ. Notice what it says here. It says that they, in verse 41, it says, they gladly received the news. You don't gladly receive news if you haven't heard it before. There's been some preparation. There's been some background there's been some things that's been going on. There's been a change in somebody else's life that you're going, what's the difference? Why are you like this? Why are you acting like this? Why did you forgive that person when they didn't deserve forgiveness? And you, you're looking at it and you're going, this is what God wants me to do. So we don't know how this happened, but we do know that the people that were changed 
gladly took the next step of baptism. So they baptized the 3,000 people. God continues to do great things. In 1990, Summer Harvest Crusade, there was a mass baptism at Corona Del Mar. They couldn't count how many were baptized, but more than 5,000 people attended the event. It was reported it was the largest baptism that there has ever been. So what does baptism do? So if, if, we're, if we're saying that this is a part of what the Christian walk is, is to be converted and then be baptized, we have to realize Jesus said this is important. Why? Because he went and he said, John, you need to do this. You need to baptize me. Oh, I'm not worthy to baptize you. He goes, you got to baptize me. Baptism is significant in, in that it represents forgiveness and cleansing from sin that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism publicly acknowledges a confession of faith and belief in the gospel message. It also symbolizes the sinner's entrance into the community of believers. So baptism is not something that if you don't do it, you're not going to go to heaven. That's not what this is. This is for you to say outwardly, I want to share that Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord. And I am willing to do whatever he wants me to do. So we see these things as they were starting into a consistent pattern of doing things. Um, the last slide, Josiah. Pros Cartero. Pros Cartero. That's Greek. So if you can't read Greek, you can read this. Pros Cartero. But I can tell you, I did take Greek in college, and that does say Pros Cartero. <laughs> um, but it's a verb, and it means... So when we read these words, and verse 42, and they continued steadfastly, continued steadfastly. This is what word is used to understand that. It's to attend once a week. It's to attend whenever you feel like it. It's to attend, man, when it's being a good day. It's to attend when you've got 50 people that are surrounding you. This says to attend constantly. These things were always on their mind. These things that, that we're sharing here were things that they were focused on. The usage is persist, persevere in, or continue steadfast in. Now, we see these things, and this says, verse 42, they continued steadfastly in these things. The first one is, 
they continued steadfastly in constantly doing, do consistently. Are there things that you guys do consistently? Come on, let's be honest with ourselves. How many of you have a cup of coffee in the morning almost every day? How many of you have the same types of things in your cup of coffee? Milk, sugar, whatever, cream, whatever, whatever it is. You do this every day. Because why? It's a habit. It's something that you do. How many of you, and this includes getting on your phone and looking up things, how many of you read the newspaper or find out the latest things that are going on? Find out what your friends are doing. Find out the things that are going on in the world. Well, if I had a phone, I can tell you that people read the paper on their phone. And they go like, tell me if I'm wrong, do they go like this? You enlarge it first, you go like this. Read the newspaper. How many of you think I've got to do something exercise-wise so I'm going to take a walk or I'm going to do this certain, certain type of uh, exercise to get myself into shape? Here's some other things that you may do every day. Read the Bible. Pray. Uh, maybe some of you are the Facebook people. That you get on, I, I don't get on Facebook. I mean, I do every once in a while, but that's only because something jumps up and, but I, I'm not a, that kind of a person. How many of you call a friend? Today's, I'm going to call my, my sister or my brother or consistently do this. Read a, read a chapter of a book that you love or a new book. I'm going to read a book every month. So that's what you determine to do. Um, how many of you get home, and as soon as you get home, get out of your clothes and get in your jammas? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm in for the night. How many of you make sure that you get eight hours of sleep? It's time to go to bed. It's 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, or whatever time it is. I can't be up this late. You see, the foundation of doing something is to be consistent and steadfast in it. These people were steadfast in their love for sharing Jesus Christ. They continued steadfastly in, in these things. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the um, uh, fellowship. They continued steadfastly in uh, breaking bread with one another. And they continued steadfastly in their prayers. We see these four things here. I want you to understand that there's a difference between these four things. The first one was they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The apostles' doctrine is not something that you do. It's not an activity or an action. 
It's a study. It's looking and trying to understand what does this mean to me in my life. The apostles' doctrine is something that you know so that when somebody says something that you all of a sudden, that sounds right. I can, I can agree with that because I know in God's word. Um, matter of fact, Roman and I was talking this morning. And Roman looked at me and he says, because there was some things being said about, um, about something that, we, that, that I don't agree with. And um, he said, I don't agree with it either. And he goes, it's, it's in the Bible. It says this. And I said, what did I say, Roman? When you said it was in the Bible, I said, where does it say that? Because Romans saying it has no volition to me. I don't care whether Romans says it's a good idea or not. I want to know where the Bible says that this is how we're supposed to live. And so it's important for us to not just think about, I know this says this somewhere, this sounds right. How many people have you ever heard say something and it sounds right, but then you look it up and they're wrong? You see, you've really got to know what you're talking about. You've got to know what your Bible says. So when somebody says, uh, where's that found at? You go, here's where it's found at. Philippians chapter 3 or, or Acts chapter 2 or, or Matthew chapter 5. And those are all famous for different reasons. Matthew chapter 5 is about the Sermon on the Mount. Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. Philippians chapter 3 is about living in Christ and forgetting the things which are behind and pressing forward to the mark. All these things, when the Bible says do this, this is what you're supposed to do. As a matter of fact, the pastor said something during Sunday school, which was, which was right, on, right on target. And um, he says, when somebody says to me, um, this is what I believe, we go open up the Bible and we say, this is what the Bible says. It's not about what I believe or what I think. It's about what the Bible says. Here's how I'm supposed to live. So the first thing was to know, to know things. The second, third, and fourth were they continued in fellowship. They continued in the breaking of bread. And this was continued steadfastly and they, were conti they continued steadfastly in their prayers. We think about when this goes back to the beginning, when it says they were all in one accord. This is now later. This isn't just um, the next day. It says here, and they're looking at the reflection, remember, the 30 years, they're looking back as the reflection, and they're going, they continued steadfastly in their prayers and in the following of the doctrine and in the meeting together. It's a reflection of how did they live their lives. God wants us to be able to do things to show that he is the most important thing in our life. They continued, I, I want you to think about, continued steadfastly in the fellowship. You know, you don't have to go to the same church 
to have fellowship with another believer. Aren't you thankful that there are people in different, different churches, but when you talk, there's a simpatico, there's a closeness, there's a, wow, this is the way it's supposed to be. Um, it was about 20 years ago, we took a group of, the church, a group of men from the church and went to Washington, D.C., and it was a, um, a, a day of prayer um, for um, what they had was, um, this was called the Million, Do Million Man March. We all met in Washington, D.C., and they had big screen TVs up the length of the, uh, what's that long football field area right there in front of, well, the Washington Mall. The, the Washington Mall was filled with men. We got there, and um, we sat down, and if you've ever met somebody, then all of a sudden, you're connected. It, it, and it's, it's almost instantaneously that you're connected with that person. And um, we sat down, and I was talking to this guy. Um, he was a Sunday school teacher. He worked with youth. He, um, he, he did a bunch of things in his church. He and I just connected. And at the end, I've never seen him again. Don't remember his name. But I know there was a connection. Even though he attended a church in another town, wasn't the same denomination as what I was, but I know that there was a connection. You see, we have the fellowship. We have the same Lord. We have the same guide for life. We have the same love for God. We have the same desire for his word. We share some of the same struggles. We share some of the same victories. We share the same job of loving other people for him. We share the joy of communicating with one another. So we know God's word and we put it into our hearts and then we share God's word by being in fellowship, breaking of bread, and praying. In the Greek, the definite article occurs before the word prayer. The text actually says, to the prayers. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to the prayers to worship God when they got together, they prayed together, and they were unified because of their prayers. All these things does not mean, please understand, it does not mean that the church was perfect. There were problems. And in the next several chapters, we find that there were problems that they had to deal with. But we do know that they were continued and steadfast in the four things that we said here as to what they were doing in their lives. Remember when I, when I was reading the scripture and I said, here's a change. In verse 43, notice these things were coming through that this is what they were doing, but then there's an actual trans, trans, uh, 
a, a change in the way that things happen. It says, then fear came upon every soul. Why would fear come upon every soul? Why would that be such a big thing? Let me just share with you. There's fear when you start to realize that God's in control and you're not in control. There's fear comes when everything that you do, you know you're going to be held accountable for. You know that you're going to have to answer for. There's fear. It says fear came upon them and this is because of what they were doing. Remember those four things they were doing? Fear came upon them because they were doing those things and they were going, look at what God's doing. Fear came upon them and many signs and wonders were done. God does even more to show himself. We then see a transition of them working together, trying to understand, doing these four things. Fear comes upon them. Greater things happen. What is the next thing that it says? Now they believed when they were together. Isn't it great when you can get with somebody and you can agree? When you're not worried about what they're going to think or what they're going to say. They believed they were together and they had all things common. The Christian family lives and grows together because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. So continuing with one accord and the breaking of bread, they were together and they were happy when they were together. Praising God and the Lord added to his church daily, not weekly, not monthly, not yearly, daily. So it's not just on Sunday, daily. So they continued and they were adding to the church, adding to, their, to the people that believed. I'd like to share with you a story about Sir Edwin Landseer. Sir Edwin Landseer was one of the most famous painters in the Victorian era. His talent developed early and he had his first showing at the Royal Academy when he was just 13 years old. He was commissioned to do a number of official portraits of the royal family and even gave private drawing lessons to Queen Victoria and Prince Albert. But he is best known for his depictions of the natural settings and life in the Scottish Highlands. One day, he was visiting a family in an old mansion in Scotland. 
one of the servants accidentally spilled a pitcher of soda water, leaving a large stain on the wall. While the family was out for the day, Landseer remained behind. Using charcoal, he incorporated the stain into a beautiful drawing. When the family returned, they found a picture of a waterfall surrounded by trees and animals. He used his skill to make something beautiful out of what was an unsightly mess. Don't you feel like your life sometimes are unsightly messes? Don't we feel like we've messed up so bad nobody can ever fix it? God works the same way in our lives. The things that we think of as weaknesses and handicaps can, through his grace, become our greatest strength. And the very things he uses the most to bring glory to himself, God's grace provides the strength to meet your challenges and overcome all of your weaknesses. He can make our messes look beautiful because of his love. Please stand with me as we close out the service this morning. 